This is a Lip Media Podcast. You're listening to All the Shit I've Learned Abroad. I'm Andrea Gillis. And I'm Steph Page. We're two Canadian expats now living in Australia and the UK. Between the two of us, we've been through the ringer in our travels, experiencing missed flights, volcanic eruptions, and even a terrorist attack. It's not all that extreme, though. We've also experienced heartwarming, life-changing moments and met amazing people along the way. So kick back and listen to All the Shit I've Learned Abroad. Welcome to another episode of All the Shit I've Learned Abroad. I'm Andrea. And I'm Steph. Hi, Steph. How's it going? Oh, it's going. We're coming into freedom here in Melbourne. Yeah, opposite here. Yep. We're back. <laughs> we're going. I said this the other week where we're we're literally doing opposites. Yeah. In Australia and the UK. We're we're on like a tiering system now. I can't imagine and- though London is gonna do what Melbourne did. I just can't mm, see it. Well, I don't know. I mean, it depends if we go into a tier three. Right now we're in a tier two. If we go into a tier three like Liverpool, that means everything shuts down. So Ooh, we'll see. I don't know. Time will tell. I really hope that doesn't happen. But we have a very relevant topic this week talking about anxiety. Yes. So you actually were able to talk with Maddie from the If You Don't Mind podcast. Yes. One of our Lip Media sister podcasts. And I thought this was so timely because I was actually just thinking about recently, we did an episode the other day with Mike Corey of Fearless and Far talking about Mm -hmm. facing your fears and how you can, you know, just smash through your fears and how to overcome them. But fear and anxiety are two different things. Right. And I think some people use those terms interchangeably. And when you have anxiety, from my understanding, it's it's mental, it's physical, it's a whole number of manifestations. So I was really interesting to hear about how people who have anxiety do travel because it's a yeah. whole different set of challenges. So I was really excited to learn more about, you know, the issues other people encounter when they're traveling and how maybe just even I can be a more considerate traveler when I run come across people. Well, absolutely. And it's, as you said, it's, it's not as easy as just jumping in sometimes and facing your fears. And Maddie talks about a lot of those today and just uh, even tips and tricks for those that do suffer from, you know, clinical anxiety um, and other mental health conditions, how they can power through them mm-hmm. and do what they love if that's traveling. So let's Perfect. take a listen. Listen and learn. Hey, Maddie, thanks so much for joining us this week on the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. I feel like we've been trying to plan this for quite some time. Yes. Um, and we finally did it. You yes. know, we're very busy ladies. Oh, we've I got know. A lot, we've got a lot going on. Definitely. I was I was going to say, we've been planning this since, I think, end of August. And there's just been, like, so much going on. And we're finally here. We're finally getting this episode in the bag. So amazing. We're really excited about this. And and so this is a really important topic that we're discussing today, um, which is traveling with anxiety. Um, yes. Now, in the best of times, those who suffer with anxiety or depression or sort of any mental health illness, they have difficulty getting out of their comfort zone uh, anyways. Mm. But now, especially in 2020, with COVID looming over our heads and amongst other things happening in the world, I mean, we can all agree 2020 is just a bit of a dumpster fire. Um, yeah, it's a shit show. It's yeah. an absolute <laughs> shit show uh, globally. Um, but so, you know, this is making it even more difficult um, for mm. those that suffer with anxiety um, to travel. So we're going to talk about some of the things, um, some of these things today and how people that do suffer with mental illness, what they can do 
do to manage their anxiety while they're traveling once we can get back to really traveling and you know once COVID is over so Mm, um, we're really excited to have you here this week and just to start off firstly you know can you just tell us a bit about who you are and just kind of your story yeah, definitely. So I, uh, we, we're on the same podcast network, yes. um, Lip Media. We're going to give a shout out to Lip Media. Um, so I run a podcast, I host a podcast called If You Don't Mind. And If You Don't Mind is basically um, dedicated to having really difficult conversations, but important conversations um, about mental health and uh, people living with a mental illness. And we kind of talk about things like recovery and diagnosis and all the fun stuff that's involved Um but I started that podcast because I myself um, went through a particularly tough time with my own, with my own mental health. I basically had an undiagnosed anxiety disorder for most of my teenage years and my early 20s, which kind of uh, exploded in a very spectacular breakdown I had when I was 22. Um, and it got really bad to the point where I couldn't leave my house. I couldn't catch a bus by myself. It was very isolating and and um, a very sad time in my life, but I came out the other end um, better, I think. And I've kind of dedicated my 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 life, I, I guess, to to having those tough conversations and to being super open about it. Um, but I think what I've realized, especially with anxiety, is it's it's all about control. And mm-hmm. I think with travel, especially if you're going internationally. Um, you lose a lot of control. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they do say with uh, people that suffer from anxiety, a lot of it is, you know, having a routine and that can really mm-hmm. help you cope with it. Um, and I suppose yes. when you're traveling, you know, you're totally out of a routine. It's, it's, it, oh, yeah. you're, and so, I mean, I guess these are some of the things we can talk about today and how, again, those that are suffering from anxiety, they can manage that and work in some type of routine um, mm. to get them out there. Um, yes. And so yes, 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 yes. with you, are you quite a big avid traveler? I mean, tell us about maybe some of your travel history or maybe the first time you ever traveled somewhere. Yeah. So I think the first time I ever traveled somewhere was when I was 13. I went on a super fun family holiday to New Zealand, nice. which was just, you know, every 13 year old's dream. Um, and that was fine. I think that was kind of the age where uh, my my issues with anxiety could, had kind of started. But I think when you're younger, you're a little bit more like I'm invincible. So I didn't really think much about the dangers of air travel. I was just like so excited to be on a plane for the first time. Um, But I didn't actually travel again. And it's kind of embarrassing, but this is, this is the case for a lot of people um, until much later when I was 23 years old. So I went a very long time Mm. between trips almost 10 years um and I used to say you know it's I don't have the money I don't have the time but in reality it was very difficult for me to work up the courage or the nerve to kind of start planning a trip because I knew Mm. how stressed I was um in the back of my mind about doing it so did you find you were masking the reasons then? Um, you yes. were saying things like, I don't have money, I don't have the time, but actually deep down it was because, you know, you you had anxiety and you were just yeah. not comfortable doing it. No, exactly. I feel like when you're young and you want to travel, you make it happen. Mm. Um, you'll, I don't know, like so many friends of mine have like gone into debt or they've like worked right. crazy hours or they've taken a few months off work um, or university to do it. But I just, 
I didn't. Like I, I think even if someone had like provided me with the perfect, like had given me the money, given me the time off, I think I still would have been very hesitant mm. mainly because of the idea of just, yeah, like having to kind of submit yourself to the unknown, right. I think is, is the hardest bit. Um, but right after I had my spectacular breakdown, as I like to call it, <laughs> I went on my first, I went on my first trip and I was planning it with my best friend and we were going to do a trip around New Zealand again. I was like, I'll start, I'll start small because right. it's like a three hour journey, you know, mm-hmm. not a lot can happen. Right. Um, and yeah, she ended up not being able to go. And I was like, well, I'm going to do it myself. Nice. So I did it myself. This seems yeah. to be a very common theme with a lot of our guests that we've had on about planning trips with friends and then they back out last minute. And then, you know, people go on their own and do their first solo trip, which is very cool. Yeah. Um, and it was such a big thing for me because I had done no, tra- pretty much no travel. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd been as I said, on a plane once to New Zealand and maybe like a little plane to Byron Bay to visit a family member, I think potentially before then. But um, yeah, it was my first trip and I was doing it by myself. Wow. So you really went in like, like head first, you know, not even baby steps, like going. I mean, we've talked about this in many episodes. We even did an episode specifically on solo travel. And I can't imagine, like, you know, I don't suffer from anxiety or any sort of mental uh, health issues but I remember going on my mm. first solo trip and it's quite daunting you know because it's, yeah. it's it's you know you're it's uh completely new you have to figure out everything kind of on your own now to top that with you know suffering from anxiety I that's quite a brave thing to do I can't imagine what was going through your mind when you sort of you know step foot in New Zealand on your own and you know oh, well, yes. tell us about it what what did what happened yeah, I, I think to be honest, I think I was kind of riding this high from when you when you're really unwell for a long time and you start to get better. It's quite exhilarating, and you're like, oh my god, I can do all this stuff all of a sudden. And some of us push ourselves a little bit too much, mm. but I think I was lucky in the sense that I had a really good experience. If it had been negative, potentially it would have been a bit harmful, but right. I was lucky. I have a lot of uh, family in New Zealand, and what I did is the second half of the trip. I met up with my family. Mm. So I kind of knew that that was always going to happen. Right. And I also knew if something went wrong, I could get on a plane, go to Wellington and I'd be with my family. Right. Um, so I think having that, that safety net was really important for me. Mm. Um, but I think the, 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 the thing that really made it easy for me was just that I, that I planned it out mm. so perfectly and so well that I knew exactly where I had to be at every point right. and I felt very in control of what I was doing. Mm, I, um, yeah. I, I was going to say just um, that was one of the points I wanted to talk about, just the pre-planning. And I suppose mm. when you, you know, I always talk about how I'm not much of a, I'll plan a little bit, but I don't, you know, I like <laughs> to be a bit spontaneous when I go places to the point. Sometimes I'm like, maybe I should have planned a bit more, mostly because I feel like I missed out on seeing things or, you know, things mm. I, I didn't even know existed in some of the countries I visited because I didn't do my <laughs> reading or my planning. But someone with anxiety, I suppose getting, you know, putting that pre-plan together and having mm. it, it's almost like you've set out, you've made a, I guess, kind of a makeshift routine for when you get yes. there and you have that to stick to. And I guess, you know, does that make it a lot easier then? It does. I think knowing like when you have to be on like a bus or when you have mm. to check into a hotel or whatever like that, I think it's, it just keeps you 
grounded, right. I think is probably the best way of putting it. Mm. Um, I think when you're traveling with anxiety, especially solo for the first time, mm-hmm. going to a country where they speak the same language as you yes. is so beneficial absolutely yeah it's hard Um, we we did an episode also on language barriers and how overwhelming uh, that can be and thank god there you know we've got great apps now like google translate mm. and all that but still you know it can still be overwhelming if you're trying to just get directions from someone and it's like do you even think to pull out the google translate because your brain is probably just you know running a mile a minute going into Mm -hmm, sort of panic mode yeah no but having i think and just because i I obviously have New Zealand, like I'm, I'm half Kiwi. My dad's from New Zealand. Mm. So I just felt very at home, the people and the culture and just their way of life. And mm. I think all those things together just made me feel really grounded and safe. Right. I never once felt like I was in danger. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously I wasn't walking at, alone at night at 11 PM because that would have been silly, but yeah. um, I, yeah, like I was doing sensible stuff and being a sensible gal, but um it was just very, also very freeing, I think, to be doing things on my own mm. and to not have to be thinking about, you know, the people that were with me or like what other people wanted to do. I yeah. could just do what I needed to do. If I didn't feel like doing something, I didn't have to do it. I could just sit in my hotel that's, and read a book. Yeah, that's a really good point. I guess when you are solo or I guess or when you're traveling with people and if you're, you know, you've got anxiety, you don't, mm. I suppose if you're having one of those moments and you need, maybe you need a day or just an afternoon to yourself, but you don't want to ruin someone else's, you know, holiday if you're with them. And so yeah. you kind of go along with things, but you're actually not, you know, putting yourself as a priority um you're putting others first and I guess that can Mm. really take a toll on you know on your anxiety and um so yeah solo travel I mean we we talk about solo travel all the time and all the great benefits and this is another one yeah a hundred percent I think traveling uh for anyone is draining because you're Mm. in a new place you're doing new things you're, you're often like physically exerting yourself a lot um for someone with anxiety or potentially another a mental health condition, there's an added layer because I think you're always kind of on the lookout for potential danger mm-hmm. is, I guess, the best way of explaining it. You're a bit more hypervigilant. Right. Um, and that can be exhausting. And sometimes you just want to, like, sit down and, like, do nothing for five hours yeah. and you don't want to feel like a, a dick about it. But, you know, when you're by yourself, you can't. Yeah. It's brilliant. And that's the thing. Like, we, you know, when you're – on holiday or you're traveling you know you don't always have to be doing stuff um Mm. and it can be very go 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 and it can be very overwhelming for anyone especially being in a new place and you know it's very unfamiliar and sometimes it's fine just to have those down days especially if you're traveling long term you know it's it's I mean Steph did a year around the world trip and she talks about this a lot where you know, she realized a few months in, like she kind of got that burnout because she was doing Mm. things constantly. And then she sort of realized like, hold on, like, it's fine for me to take a step back, take a day if I need it just to chill, watch Netflix, if I want in a hotel room and not feel bad about it either. Um, And I suppose it's the same. If you need a break, it's okay. You know? Yeah, exactly. And I think it's going to make your experience that much better if you're you know, like feeling energized and revitalized. And I think also if you push yourself too much, you you can get sick, which is mm. the worst thing. I think there's nothing worse than being sick when you're on holiday. Absolutely. It's like so punishing. Mm. Um, I went on a trip. So the, the next trip I went on actually was a just a week in Fiji with my partner. And we mm. both were sick 
the whole time. Oh, no. It was terrible. It was so terrible. We both had, like, a cold and food poisoning, and it was awful. Like, we laugh about it now. Right. Um, but, yeah, when you're sick and you're traveling, it is terrible. Yeah. I mean, when you're sick, there's no place you'd rather be than just in your own bed at home. Yes. You know, it yes. just somewhere comfortable. So and you're absolutely right. Like, when you're just go, go, go all the time you know, you are more prone to get sick or have a, a bad time because you're tired. And, you know, we, as humans, we do tend to, we dwell on the negatives, right? So you look mm. back on that trip and, you know, all you'll think is having that negative experience. So it's very important to rest and re-energize, you know, when you can. And, you know, when you're traveling solo, it's easy to do that, as you said. Um, oh yeah, definitely, definitely. In terms of planning, then, so if we just talk about pre-planning a little bit more, um, you know, I know that some people they, uh, when planning anything, it can get very overwhelming to the point that mm. they kind of suffer from what's known as like decision or choice paralysis, where it's like too much choice to the point that yes. she's nothing. Um, and now I can imagine some people that are, um, you know, that have anxiety. This could happen if they are trying to plan their first trip and it's like, where do they start? How can they kind of get through, you know, if they are going through sort of choice paralysis, like how can they, what would you say for tips for, to manage that and actually putting a plan together? Yes, I think definitely. I mean, it's probably, this is more relevant when you're going to like those bigger places like mm-hmm. Europe and America and stuff like that. But I think even you with New Zealand, it is so much bigger and so much you know in terms of it's how big it is um than people think and i think when you're on holiday it's it's better to to choose a few destinations instead of instead of having trying to pack like mm. six or seven in the one trip because i think that's what happens is you only give yourself like two days per place mm-hmm. and then you're literally having to get through this crazy list of stuff because you've like wanting to do it all mm. so i think it's really important to pace yourself um, and know that, like, it's not going anywhere. You can return. Right. It's not like you get one chance to go to New Zealand and never again. Mm-hmm. Um, I can understand, obviously, wanting to make the most of it. And not all of us can afford to, to travel regularly. Um, but I think if you realize that you're going to have a better time with potentially uh, less places in terms of where you're going, but you can do more there. I think yeah. is so important. Like less is more. Right. I think. Almost definitely like quality over quantity. Um, yes. And I know yes, 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 Steph, yes. Steph has talked about this before and same thing, you know, people coming over <clears throat> to see her in Australia and they're saying like, right, I want to go here and here and here and here and kind of all over Australia. And she's like, okay, great. Like how long are you going to be here for? And they're like two weeks, you know, she's <laughs> like, oh, maybe you want to like bring that list down a bit. Yes. Um, and it's, as you said, less is more. So I guess when, you know, people are planning a, a, a trip, it's like maybe write down a few, you know, the, the sort of priority places that you want to go see, whether it's countries or cities, or maybe it's even, you know, a place like London is a great example. Mm. We have so many things to do and see here. Oh my God. I was overwhelmed when I went to London right? last year. And yes. it's one of those things I know when people um, come to me and say, you know, what should I do? I've got a week here. I'm like, well, it really depends on the kind of trip that you want in London. And it's the same thing. Some people will literally have every attraction and every neighborhood and every market in London. They're like, can I get this done in a week? I'm like, probably not. Um, (laughs) So, you know, make a, yeah, I guess make a list and get your priorities in, in, 
you know, in, in that list of what you really want to see. Yeah. And, do. and I think also don't feel like you need to be doing everything because everybody else has, like, I yes. think it's, I've tried to in the past, like I've heard a a friend's gone on a great trip and I'm like, okay, well, I've got to do all those things because that sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's, everybody's going to experience things differently. And Mm -hmm. I think you want to tailor your trip to what really interests you, not just what you think you should be seeing or what's talked about um, all the time. And I think you're much more likely, less likely to be disappointed and to be burnt out. If you really sit down and critically think about the things that you enjoy, Mm. like if you are told like, Oh my God, you have to go on this hike, but you don't like hiking and it stresses you out. Then don't do that. Like, that's fine. Like no one really cares what you're doing on your holiday. It's for you. It's not for Instagram. It's not for like your family. It's not yeah. to show others it's for you to experience and I think when you realize that um you can tailor uh your 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 trip to what you truly like and what's not going to stress you out as well like don't do things that you know are going to stress you out but you kind of just want to have like the photo op or like right the, to be able to talk about it with other people yeah well that's a good point like something like if you're if you've got anxiety and and being in large crowds is not your thing you know maybe I remember going to the Louvre in Paris seeing the Mona Lisa which I thought was one of the most underwhelming things I've ever seen because it's like (laughs) it's actually quite a small portrait but the crowd of people that were there it was just and you're inside as well like I can usually handle crowds outside I'm a big into my festivals and that's fine but when you put me into a big crowd inside and granted I I love going to gigs so I kind of put myself in this situation sometimes but mm. I remember seeing the Mona Lisa and there was like a hundred and you know hundreds of people around me and I'm like okay get me out like it was too much Ugh, and I can imagine stressful. yeah people that have anxiety and if, if they do suffer uh you know with with that with big crowds maybe don't do something like that just because Ugh. you want to check it off Exactly. And potentially also going and doing things like in the off season, I think, like, Mm. think about like when, um, you know, tourists are going to be there in in droves, like think about when it's going to be at its busiest, if you want to experience something, but you don't want the intensity of huge amounts of people like research into when it's most popular and it's a least popular time to go and and try and find a a good balance. Obviously, you don't want to be going to a beautiful tropical place in the winter mm. um but potentially you can catch it right at the beginning or right at the end like not right in the smack bang, yeah. well, smack bang in the middle yeah, yeah. Exactly. we talked about that actually in last week's episode about shoulder season so sort of traveling in that kind of off season but you know the it's it's kind of hit and miss maybe sometimes with weather and all that but in terms of tourists there's not as many tourists there um so yeah everyone look into shoulder season <laughs> oh so. I'm a big proponent of that like I love getting there just as it's kind of wrapping up mm-hmm. and people are leaving yeah. um or just at the beginning it's just so much more it's just like it's like I hate those when you get to a place and the crowd is almost heaving mm-hmm. like it just is so stressful yeah um and you don't like I feel like you can't have really special, um, intimate, you know, experiences yeah. with 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 things when there's literally people like squished up against you. Oh, absolutely! Um, it's just so hard. Like I remember going to the Berlin Wall and I was so excited, and there were just mm-hmm. so many people, and you like they, you just couldn't see anything. Like everybody was trying to like take photos in front of everybody else. Yeah. The vibe was weird, and I was like, this is not fun. Like. Yeah. 
if no one was here, I would enjoy this. But the fact that there are so many people here is, you know, yeah, yeah not fun. Well, and I suppose now with COVID, once things start to open up, there's obviously going to be people still very hesitant to travel. Um, yes. But for those that, you know, you want to maybe get out of your comfort zone and you're thinking about traveling, you know, this could be a good time. Not now. I'm saying once everything is open. I'm not <laughs> suggesting people get on a plane now and travel. But, you know, as things start to open up, it's probably a good opportunity mm. to do that because there is going to be less crowds, less tourists. Now even, I know in London, a lot of the museums, you have to book ahead. So they have like an in and out kind of system. So it's a little oh, bit better. that's cool. Yeah, um, which I think they always should have had anyways. But yes. Um, so yeah, maybe, you know, once COVID's over... For those of you that, you know, you've got anxiety uh, about traveling to some of these places with big crowds, this could be the time to maybe finally yeah. step out and do it. Little baby steps is what I exactly. say. Exactly. Um, it's all about practice. I think when you have anxiety rela- relating to anything, mm-hmm. um, obviously a, a very common thing we talk about like in therapy is like exposure therapy. I've right. done a lot of it before. Yeah. Um and yeah, like it's, it's, it can be very confronting, but it actually is very effective. Um, the more you expose yourself to something, uh, the less, or this is a theory, the less you will be anxious about it. And for me, it has worked. Yeah. Um, but I guess I could, I could probably tell you about the, the, the scariest thing I've done. And that is doing my trip to, to Europe. Mm, yes. Tell which us about I did that. last year. Um, so that, I was with my partner the whole trip, apart from the the flight over. So okay. I had never flown on a plane by myself for more than like three or four hours, mm-hmm. New Zealand being the longest. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just so happened my partner wanted to go over before me to go to Croatia. He had more time off. And I was like, I can't get that much time off. I'll meet you in Italy. Mm. Um and as we started booking things, it kind of dawned on me that I was going to have to do this by myself. Okay. Um, and it was like, I'm not going to lie, terrifying. I think because uh, when you're on a plane for a short amount of time, the the end is in sight. Like, you know, it's going to suck maybe a little bit. Mm-hmm. The turbulence might freak you out. You might be uncomfortable for a few hours, but you know it'll end soon. And mm-hmm. you have kind of like an out. But I think with long flights you can feel so trapped i mean yeah um, yeah any like i again i don't suffer from anxiety and even being i did a flight out to australia last year to see staff and it was like it felt like the never ending i did three flights i booked a really ugh. cheap deal which i mean anyone listening i'm like spend the extra money um yeah don't do it please don't do it <laughs> yes. but i mean even for me being on a plane i'm like get me off get me off and yeah, I don't I don't have anxiety. <laughs> like Yeah. So for someone that it's, does have it. Yeah, I think I think the probably the difference is obviously it's not comfortable, it's it's not enjoyable. You like a lot of people can't sleep. Mm. Um obviously I ne- I've never successfully slept on a no, flight. Same. <laughs> um I don't understand how people just, you know, have a nap and just nod off. I don't get it. Yeah. But I what I did to make that experience that obviously less anxiety inducing Mm. um, was actually like a lot of research. So I think a lot of the time, especially this is obviously more relevant to to specific phobias of flying, which I had slightly, but I think it's more just general, general anxiety that was Mm. causing me to stress about flying, but um, understanding like what the normal noises are of a plane. Yes. And like, 
and like what can what happens and what's normal and also knowing that like they will tell you if something bad is happening so just like don't stress if that's not happening right well that's something i do now where not that i've ever really been afraid of flying but sometimes you know turbulence hits Ugh, and when that terrifying. hits and it keeps going and it's like i remember being on a flight i think it was it was a really short flight from like new york to toronto or something and I was on one of those really small planes and the turbulence just Ugh. was going on for the entire hour and a half flight. And it was pretty intense. And I actually, Steph was with me and she was sitting in a seat behind me and she was fast asleep. She is one of those people <laughs> that she can sleep literally anywhere. And I'm just so jealous of that. But, um, but I remember what I start doing now is I look for mm. one of the flight attendants to see what their reaction is. Cause if they're just yes. like cool, calm and collected and they're handing out drinks, everything is fine. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I 100% agree. I look at the – I'm always like I've got like a, 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 you know, like a woman I'm looking at or a man I'm looking at who has been serving me or attending to me. Mm. And I'm always looking at their face. I'm like, what are you doing? Are you sitting down? Are you bracing? Yeah. Are you in the brace position? Are yeah. you freaking out? No. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of the time when you have a good flight and everything is smooth sailing, mm-hmm. you kind of think, okay, well, that's how flying is. But um, there are so many different things that can happen, obviously, depending on weather and that kind of stuff that can that can cause yeah. a lot of different things to, to happen within the cabin. And I think knowing that and being able to intellectualize that and know, okay, this is normal, this is because of turbulence, this is because of a bump or whatever, right. when you understand that even the science behind it, it's, it's very anxiety relieving, I think. Mm, knowing what to expect. And I guess that's why the pilots, yes. when they come on before the flight, they'll even say, you know, we're going to experience a bit of turbulence. They can see this, yes. you know, in I don't know how they, whatever machines they have up there. But so if a pilot <laughs> says that, just expect that there's going to be some turbulence and, you know, ride, ride it out, I guess. <laughs> yes, I agree. A hundred percent. I think obviously it's a little bit, it's a little bit nerve wracking when, uh, they, not everybody's speaking English on the, the mm. flight. Obviously that can be a bit scary, but it's universal. Like they're going to tell you, like, right. it's all gonna, it's all the same. Like, um, I think the warning signs are all the same. Mm. I don't think any airline would just like, you know, spring it on you. Like they're yeah. gonna, they're gonna, be able to tell you if things are going wrong so I think just knowing that is really is really helpful um I think a really another really important thing for people with anxiety when they're flying uh, especially on long-haul flights is like a lot of people enjoy taking like sleeping medication Mm. um it's a big thing I personally don't Mm. I like to be a hundred percent stone cold sober on my flight I want to be able to react to anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if you are planning to do that, like if you're, if you have anxiety and you take, you know, something like Valium regularly and you're like, Oh, let's take it on the plane. Please like test it. Like don't do it on a big long haul flight. Like yes. if you've never taken it before, take it at home first before you take it before you go on a flight. But if you can test it on like, you know, shorter flights, I would really recommend it because it can be a little bit like the effects can be different for different people. And sometimes mm-hmm. feeling like quite affected by a drug on a flight when you're already anxious can just ex- like exacerbate everything. Yeah. Um, I would also recommend do not drink. Yeah. Do not drink. Yeah. It'll, it'll make you feel worse. I think any, any drugs and alcohol, like just avoid them when you're flying if you're an anxious person, because I think being able to have control over 
your body and your decision making is so mm. important and i think it'll really lessen the stress yeah. I mean, personally well, alcohol i mean everyone knows anyways it's you know it's proven to make anxiety worse um, yeah. To the point, like I even sometimes, I'm, as I get older, it's very weird. Like I've never really suffered from hangovers. I'm one of those lucky people that, you know, oh, I, I don't lucky. really get the headaches. I don't throw up, you know, I might feel a bit tired, but as I get older and it seems to be red wine that does it to me, but I yes. sometimes yes, get yes, the, yes. what's known as the hangxiety now where, <laughs> and I know I've, I haven't done it, you know, I never get really, really drunk. I usually get a nice little buzz going, but, um, mm. But I'll sometimes wake up the next morning after that red wine and I have that anxiety where there's, there's that knot in my stomach and, you know, you're just sort of like replaying things in your head and, you know, and I know it's mm. my, my mind just kind of doing its own thing. And, but I can imagine again, if you've got anxiety and then drinking and especially being on a plane and then you have to deal with jet lag after that, if you're doing a oh, haul, like yeah. it's just not a good idea. Now I, I do drink on no. planes, but <laughs> that's me. And sometimes <laughs> it's not a good idea. But I can, yes. again, it's it's never a good combination, like anxiety, drinking, um, as you said, any like prescription drugs. Um, and we've even talked about, you know, as you said, if you're going to take a Valium or a diazepam or something to knock you out for a bit, test it beforehand. Um, mm. Because you don't also know how long it's going to affect you. And especially on long haul flights, it's really important to be getting up and walking around. Um, yes, we, yes, we you did, don't want no DBTs. Yeah, well, and, you know, we did a whole episode on this where Steph's friend coming out to visit her in Australia had exactly that. She had a blood clot <gasps> and had to be rushed to the hospital because she didn't get up the entire time on the plane. And so that is the last thing you want, especially if you've got anxiety, to then, oh, yeah. you know, suffer from, yeah, as you said, DBT. And it's a nightmare. So stay sober <laughs> that is probably i right. agree <laughs> the best advice it's Even- very yes it's very interesting you mentioned the whole dbt thing so um what i the specific diagnosis i have is this thing called illness anxiety disorder and basically it's this fear of becoming unwell and like basically losing control of your health is, right. a, is a very good way of putting it so i had this obsession for about six months with blood clots so Mm. I like stopped taking my contraception I was like there's just no way like I'm gonna get a blood clot I was going to the doctors to get my legs checked I was obsessed um it was just this like this loop I was in Mm -hmm. um and it definitely uh made me like not like I considered not traveling again because I was like I don't want to get a a blood clot in my leg so I do admit I obsessively get up like every two hours because yes. I'm like, I don't want to get a blood clot. It scares uh, well, me. It scares me. Absolutely. But I mean, even Steph now, Steph used to be a window seat person. She is adamant now. Anytime she flies, she is on the aisle because oh, yeah. she's the same now where she'll get up every hour or whatever, have a walk around. I mean, it's so important that you drink tons of water on the plane yes. um, instead of wine or I mean it's very tempting when they're coming around with those free drinks but <laughs> drink water and get up walk yeah. around definitely and you're gonna have so much time to like enjoy that stuff when you're off the plane like I kind of just see this I kind of view the plane as like this really kind of crappy bus ride that I yeah. just have to do and I've like you know there's it's gonna be like really bumpy and like uncomfortable mm-hmm. but when I get off the destination is going to be so amazing yeah. and it's going to be worth it. Well, um, and it's so, just a punishment and yeah. you get a great reward. <laughs> and I guess when we, when we travel, like the excitement sometimes does take over. And even when you're on that plane, it does. you know, you want to just, but it's like you said, it's about sticking to a routine, 
you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and as you said, getting to that destination. Um, speaking of alcohol, though, um, you yes. know, when we travel, obviously drinking is a big part of that, you know, like oh, it's, yeah. it's going and you're again, you kind of lose your inhibitions a bit and uh, the excitement sort of takes over and we can get carried away. And again, as we already mentioned, alcohol anxiety, they just are not a great mix. Um, no. But, you know, to be, you know, people aren't necessarily going to go completely teetotal while they're while they're you know vacationing so how Hmm. would you like how do you manage it i don't know if i don't know for you if alcohol is uh, an issue with your anxiety but for others how could they sort of manage that and keep it in check i guess um yeah while they're away from home that's really good really good question um i do drink i am uh not like a huge drinker but when i do drink i i like to partake in quite a bit um (laughs) i love it i i'm i'm not so much a person who like is drinking to get uh, shit-faced anymore but more Mm. just because i like the taste and i enjoy alcohol and you know the the social social side of it um but i do find and so i take a a pretty heavy dose of an antidepressant every day Mm. and i do find that that combined with alcohol consumption the next day um, is very intense often. Uh, you're right, like the day after drinking for people with anxiety and depression can be very intense. Mm. Um, you can feel very down and low and often it can it, it can impact your mood quite significantly. So I think when it comes to drinking overseas, I always give myself like a limit. Like I know what's a good amount. And right. I know what's like too much. Okay. And if I'm in Australia, look, I'll probably now and then go the too much option. Right. Um, as we all do. Because <laughs> things happen. Yeah. But I think I have, so I have like a six drink, drink limit. Okay. So I enforce that whenever I'm in situations where either I have to be up early the next day or I need to be productive or I'm in a, a strange place. Mm-hmm. And I think having that rule and sticking to it, um, has been very beneficial to me. I'm always with my partner um, when I drink, and I think that is also helpful. I feel more safe and secure. Mm. I feel like this is probably a completely different episode, but, yeah, feeling like you're comfortable with the people that you're with when you're drinking is really important. Definitely, especially Um, solo traveling as a woman on top of that. Oh, my God. Yeah, it sounds – I mean, I'm sure – Things go bad all the time mm. and it sounds very scary personally to to have that happen. But um yeah, I think I think also making sure that you're not drinking a lot the first few days that you're arriving somewhere, especially yeah. if if you've been on a very big flight. The the jet lag, I think if you're already an anxious person, um, obviously lack of sleep is like the number one issue. Absolutely. The number one. Um it can kickstart a lot of of, of bad stuff. Yeah. So I think before you do anything, before you partake in drinking or drugs, because I know like, mm-hmm. you know, just because you're overseas doesn't mean you're not taking yeah. drugs. I'm sure a lot of people do it. Yeah. Um, uh, just, just give yourself a few days to let yourself reset mm-hmm. is my biggest piece of advice. Like do not overdo it first day there. Yeah. Like sure. Have a drink with dinner. That's fine. Like the first, like as soon as I got to Venice, I was like, having a an aperol spritz with my pasta you have but to. that's all i had yeah you, you have, have to. to it's like a, it's the rule it's the illegal rule. not to when you get to venice that's not actual guys don't take my word for that <laughs> but <laughs> yeah they arrest you no i'm kidding um yeah so i think it's just 
just like pacing yourself. And obviously it's so easy when you're young and maybe you're on like a, a Kentucky tour or whatever, and you're just like pedal to the metal, like mm. going, going nuts for it. But I think if you can really like ease yourself into it, yeah. that's my best piece of advice. Cause you will make it, it'll make it harder for yourself. I think. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I, overall. I'm definitely one of those people that I don't go in heavy because I'm looking, as you said, looking to get drunk or, I mean, I'm past the age now where I'm like, let's get wasted. But you know, <laughs> yes, I like a yes. beer, I like a wine and I've actually found, especially um, for in my solo traveling and I do travel mainly solo because I really like doing it on my own not that I don't have friends I can travel with other people <laughs> sometimes but I prefer my own company Um, but I find one of the things I do and I've realized that this is more of a comfort thing and probably me mm-hmm. making a routine for every time I go somewhere new is I sort of if I get somewhere where it's not too late I'll go and find like a bar or something and just sit and people watch but then I find I end up you know, maybe having a couple too many beers. Um, mm. And then I do wake up the next day a bit fuzzy headed. And it's like, this is not the gr- a great way to start a holiday. And I'm trying to reel that in a bit more. But I've realized mm. that it's it's a comfort thing for me. It's just a... Interesting. Again, I'm not looking to go out, like, get shit-faced by myself. But it's like easing into the new place I'm at. You know, uh, the whole people watching thing. What I should do is just go sit and have a coffee. <laughs> yes, I was literally going to be like, just have like two coffees. That's right. Fine. And that's, you know, but this is my, you know, having sitting there with a, a pint or a bottle of beer, or whatever, a glass of wine is just, I'm in my sort of Zen zone. But yeah, um, I get that. Uh, I guess it's finding, as you said, easing into it the first couple of days, maybe lay off the booze a bit. And then, as you get in and you get your routine, I guess it's important mm. to get that routine in place the first few days, then, you know, go a bit harder <laughs> if you want. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. And don't, I think also like if you're, say you're in London and the next day you're flying out to, I don't know, say you're going to Berlin, don't get like shit faced <sighs> that night before and then fly with that hangover. I mean, a hangover flying anxiety together is like a recipe for a panic attack you'll have a panic attack i you'll have a terrible time (laughs) you say that and i actually genuinely believed that i had um a panic attack on uh, exactly that when steph and i we did a flight from london Mm. to dublin many years ago we we talked about this in many episodes before but where we missed our flight to dublin and we had partied that entire night and we hadn't slept and we were a lot younger then. Like I could, <laughs> I could handle it then. Um, but then we got on that plane once we finally booked another flight to Dublin. And I remember sitting in the window seat and I think it was just the total lack of sleep. We'd only gotten to London probably like a couple days before and just had exactly that just been like, go, 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 drink, 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 party, party, yes, party. Yes, yes, yes. And I remember sitting on that plane over to Dublin and I started sweating and granted some of it was definitely the sort of hangover if I was I was probably still drunk to be fair um <laughs> but I remember my heart started racing and I just I had to put my head between my knees because wow. I started like really feel I'd never felt anything like that before but I I guess it would be the closest thing I guess to going into panic um mm. and I was breathing quite fast and I just, yeah, and I kind of realized, like, oh, this is probably, like, I'm I'm just feeling very anxious, and it's, and I thought back, and I'm like, I had been drinking for two days straight, hadn't really slept, um, sitting on a tiny little plane with a crowd of people around me, and yeah, it wasn't a great idea. I wish I had stopped <laughs> the night before, and even, you know, the plane ride over to Dublin is only, like, 45 minutes to an hour, but yes, that, yes, it yes. felt like hours, Ugh. though. 
right. forever. I think when you're having a terrible time on a flight, it just uh, makes it so much longer. I was like catching a little plane from like Sydney to Tasmania for work and the turbulence was so bad and it was only for 45 minutes, but it felt like a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was it's... like, am I dying? Is this, is this how I die? Oh, I don't absolutely. know. Like everybody's very chill, but I feel like uh, I'm going to throw up and pass out. This yeah. is terrible. And this also reminded me of a time coming back from a festival in Barcelona and I kind of wish we'd booked a day in between when the festival ended because we got on a plane literally the next day after three days same thing party 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 and we were drinking and doing other you know extracurricular activities while we were there (laughs) and same thing getting on a little plane yeah my brain kind of was like whoa this is so maybe that's another tip if you're planning on doing festivals or whatnot have a little break in between before you get back on a plane to go home (laughs) I 100% agree. I think, look, uh, just because you're a, you, you're an anxious person doesn't mean like you're not someone who likes drinking or potentially, you know, taking other substances when you're at festivals or overseas. But I think just making sure that you've got a really good plan of attack if things go sideways is really important. Like I think whenever you're out, you know, drinking or partaking in drugs, you need Mm -hmm. to make sure that you've got a good support network around you. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing when you're overseas, like try and be as, I don't want to say, yeah, I guess safe, like be as safe as you possibly can. If you're not comfortable with something, don't do it. Cause I think there's nothing worse than something bad happening when you're not in a, an environment that you're comfortable in. Mm -hmm. Um, just like just play it play it safe I know it sounds lame and I know like when you're overseas you want to just do whatever and have fun Mm -hmm. um but you also don't want to ruin your holiday right well and especially Um, if you have concerns about if you if you have safety anxiety you know thinking about yeah I can imagine people planning a trip and the things that go through their mind are I mean it should I guess most people would think of this, but again, people that have anxiety, they're going to think like, oh my God, I'm going to have, you know, someone attack me or mug me, or there's going to be a terrorist attack while I'm there. And they, Mm -hmm. and obsess over it. It's like, how can, you know, how can people get around that kind of bridging that people that want to go and experience new cultures and new places, but then also managing their anxiety about, you know, thinking, I guess the worst case scenario. How do you get around Mm. not thinking the worst case scenario, I guess, is what I'm asking. Yeah, I think the first thing I always do is obviously do my research. I think it's always important to, to, to look at the places you're going to make sure they're safe because there are places that genuinely aren't safe. Like, right. You just don't get it. Um, I think if you are someone who is concerned about like what you've just listed, Look, it's it's very hard to obviously – no one can guarantee that nothing bad will happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if you're, if you're organized and you make good decisions while you're overseas, like this limits the, the chances of something going wrong. So if you're concerned about potentially being attacked or assaulted, like obviously always being with someone, mm-hmm. not being alone is really important. I think – Obviously, with with terrorist attack stuff, like yes, that's very anxiety inducing. But I think also knowing that it's it, whatever you do in life, whatever decision you make, there is going to be consequences. And wherever you go in life, even if it's just at home, leaving your front door, right. you're going to risk. There's always a risk involved. Mm. And I think it's about making a calculated risk. Right. Um, and I think if you do your research and you're well well prepared 
and you're traveling with people you trust, that's the best stuff you can do mm. to make sure that your trip, the things that are actually you can control, um, uh, are managed. And right. I think it's just kind of accepting that regardless of what you do in life, there's always a bit of risk. Mm. Um, but if you can do all those things, you're minimizing the risk quite significantly. Yeah. And for a lot of people, including myself, that's what allows me to travel. Mm. And I suppose as well, just having, as you talked a bit about this before and when you went to New Zealand, but having a safety net, whether it's people yeah. that you know, but also planning, like, don't forget to plan things like finding out where, you know, the embassy is from the country that you're in, knowing mm. what the emergency number is. We have talked about this so many times where, you Ugh. know, in the UK, it's 999. In North America, it's 911. I don't even know what it is in Australia. Is it's it? at triple zero. Triple zero. There you go. And knowing that that, that number um, in case something does happen, but having all of this pre-planned um, yeah. and just preparing, you know, it's not, you, you can't think that, you know, everything is going to go wrong, but planning in no. case something does go wrong. And I guess you're going to feel, you know, if you do have anxiety, you're going to feel just a lot better about things and more relaxed once you're actually there knowing that if something does go wrong you've got a plan in place i think once your feet i can i i always love that feeling of when you're like feet touch the ground Mm -hmm. and you're like off the plane Mm -hmm. i think once you've done that like that's the biggest step i think for most people is just getting from a to b Mm -hmm. and when you're there it's it's quite interesting i don't know if you've experienced this before but i find it very surreal when i when i when i arrive at a new country because it's almost like I feel like I'm on another planet for a little bit. Like I yeah. feel like I'm not quite, I haven't quite caught up with my body. Mm-hmm. Um, my mind is like back in Australia and my body's in Italy, for example. Right. Um, and it takes me a while to realize that just because I'm in another place doesn't mean I'm in danger. Mm-hmm. And I think true. that's really important realizing that just because you're not where you're from, like, or where you live normally, yeah. um, obviously it's different if you're going to like a place with, you know, war and things but just because you're in another country doesn't mean that you're automatically in danger Mm. and I think when you come to that realization it makes things a bit easier yeah that's a good point just sort of putting things into perspective like and Mm. I think some people can have that idea where they go somewhere that is completely new or different um different from what they're used to back home and as you said you know if you go from Australia to New Zealand or even to the UK like the culture shock doesn't really exist but you know say you go to yeah Southeast Asia for the first time it's entirely it's a different place they eat different food they speak a different language um but understanding that you know they're just I guess people are people as well and at the end of the day you know once you start exposing yourself to different cultures and again we talk about this all the time different cultures and and new experiences then you can I suppose this is where the whole um exposure therapy comes into it where you'll just become a lot more accustomed and used to new uh new environments yeah and I think I think definitely obviously there are places you can go to start off with like do it in steps like don't Mm. throw yourself in the deep end straight away and I mean some people do but Oh, I just hit my microphone. Apologies. <laughs> um, if you are really stressed about it, don't potentially don't go to another country where they don't speak a word of English. That might be a little bit too stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, but going to a place like, as you just said, London, I think would be a really good way of kind of like breaching that that first yeah. first step. 
Um, but one thing I would say as well, and this is what I do every time, is just please also make sure that you have your health insurance, yes, um, your travel insurance, sorry, uh, sorted. Because if you do have uh, something go wrong with your mental health while you're mm-hmm. overseas mm-hmm. Um, and you need to access care, like I think people often think of it of like just getting injured, mm-hmm. but sometimes things go wrong. Um, you could have a, a very severe panic attack. You could potentially experience psychosis, anything like that. Um, I think making sure you've got your travel insurance sorted so you can mm-hmm. access care when you need to is like the biggest takeaway. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Because when you know it's there and you have access to it, yeah. ugh, it's such a such a big deal. Well, and this is one of the things that people forget about for and it, you know, having travel insurance in place. Like it's one of the most number one forgotten planned things when people travel. Yeah. And you know, I've done it before. I've gotten traveling and I'm like, oh shit, I didn't get insurance. And I mean again, this is when I was young and stupid and didn't know what I was doing. Um, but yes, travel insurance is so, so important. Um yeah, and make sure you're getting the right, you know, the right uh, plan. cover. Cover that's yes. it. Um, the yeah, other yes. the other thing I will mention as well. This is just something that came to mind. But if you are someone that um, is on medication, it's very important that depending on what country that you are visiting, double check that that medication is legal there. So there are yes. countries in the world we've talked about this before. Like Dubai is a great example where, um, like codeine, for example, you cannot bring that into. Uh, into Dubai um, or UAE and you know codeine is something I was prescribed that a few years ago when I had knee surgery but if I had taken that into that country with me it's a no-go and I would imagine there's probably you know antidepressant medications or anxiety medications that you know just double check this it's very important that you double check this and you might you know some countries it's exempt where you if you have a doctor's note but this is really really important to check beforehand Mm. Yeah, definitely. And I think also like if you if you have if you're able to take it taking uh, a little bit extra, potentially mm-hmm. packing it in different uh areas within your luggage in case you lose something. It's really stressful if you're overseas and you don't have access to your medication. Mm-hmm. Um with antidepressants, you can go through a pretty heavy withdrawal if you don't take them for a few days straight. Mm-hmm. Um and also just remember to take it on the plane. Like I think you forget that a whole day can pass when you're traveling. Yeah. Um and you still need to take your antidepressant. Yeah. Still there. Still yeah. need to take it. <laughs> yeah. Just because you've traveled 18 hours into Australia from the UK doesn't mean that you've skipped a day. <laughs> no, no, no. Please take it. Time. I mean, I know it can be sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't want to take it. What if What if I have like a reaction to it on the plane? And I'm like, Maddie, you've taken this for yeah. like four years. Yeah. Just put it in your mouth yeah. and swallow it. You'll like it's fine. all good. And hope that maybe um, you fall asleep. And, but yeah, if you're like me, I don't sleep on planes either. <laughs> no, I think I've, I think I've once slept for like half an hour and that was because I like was so tired. I just physically yeah. couldn't keep my eyes open. Yeah. And then the, the, someone came up to me and was like, do you want a Coke? And I was like, Oh, why did you wake yeah. me up? I always do. I find I can do little power naps on like, short flights like if i have an hour flight Mm. i can i'll you know knock out for a half an hour but those long-term flights or long-haul flights no i'm awake for hours and hours and hours so yeah yeah Uh, i think yeah also just making sure you have stuff to do on that plane like an idle mind is not good when you have anxiety so make sure you've got books to read podcasts to listen to things to like occupy your mind um 
if you if you have things that that soothe you like I don't know some people really enjoy like knitting or embroidery that kind of stuff like mm. anything to kind of make you mindful yes. um can be very important as well download download our podcast and download yes. maddie's podcast yeah. and just binge listen to those there's hours there and hours go. of great content there <laughs> done fixed um, it for you yeah and on that note i think we can end it here um Maddie, thank you so much again for coming on and chatting with us about uh, about this because it's again, as I said before, a super important topic right now. And you know, once the skies open up, we want people to get out there and be able to travel and not have to be burdened by you know their anxiety if they are uh, if they have anxiety. Um, you know, there's a whole world out there. So yes, there. definitely, it, exactly. I think it's really important to when you do get to that place where you're more comfortable with it it's just so freeing to be able to do it. There's nothing better than feeling independent and free and untethered. And I think when you can get to that point, it's it's the best. So cool. So good. All the Shit I've Learned Abroad is a travel podcast focused on anything and everything related to travel. You can listen to us on multiple platforms from iTunes to Google Play Music and more. And with that, please, if you have a chance, give us a five-star review on iTunes or whatever platform you listen on. That drives us up the charts and really, really helps us out. Want to support us on Patreon? Find us over at Shit I've Learned Abroad Pod. And donations start as low as just $1. Also, if you could follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Shit Abroad Pod and Facebook by searching all the shit I've learned abroad. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.